everyone. I hope you're really well this week. Welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me, your host, Zoe Blasky, where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer, and more alive, whatever that looks like for you. So maybe this podcast is going to inspire you to look at your health and self-care. Maybe it's thinking about your career and making work work for you. Maybe it's looking at your relationships or your relationship with yourself and finally addressing that inner critic and making a commitment to being kinder to yourself. So I chat to all sorts of well-being experts and game changers to help you become your healthiest, happiest and most alive version of you because that is what I think is the most inspiring thing to become for our children. This week's episode is kindly supported by Organic Babies, which is a brand that I absolutely love. But what I didn't know was that it was founded over 22 years ago. How amazing is that? When Charlotte, the founder, had a daughter who suffered really badly with eczema, just like my little Jessie. So... Charlotte quickly discovered after doing some research that many of the so-called natural skincare products contained up to 99% synthetic ingredients. How shocking is that? So she got to work making ultra gentle products. My must have is the Soothing Lavender Baby Balm. It really is one of those wonder products that is eczema friendly and you can use it for cradle cap, it softens the skin or you can use it on irritated skin. It fits perfectly into a nappy bag and I've just stocked up for my little newborn when she makes an appearance. Organic Babies replaces those synthetic ingredients with natural ones and this product is made with organic shea butter, hemp and candula to protect and nurture the skin's natural barrier. So Organic Babies, you might have seen it in Waitrose, Ocado, Abel and Cole and Whole Foods, or if you choose to get it direct from greenpeople.co.uk, that's greenpeople.co.uk, I have bagged us 20% off all Organic Babies and children's products across the whole site. So if you go to greenpeople.co.uk before the 31st of December, pop in the code MOTHERKIND, that's MOTHERKIND at the checkout you will get 20% off so on to this week's episode so hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the podcast it's a bit of a different one this week because this is my first ever solo episode so you might remember if you've been listening for the podcast for a while that to celebrate the 50th episode my friend Nikki Clinch interviewed me. So I have done an episode which is a bit more about me, but I've never just sat with the microphone and spoken. And I've got to tell you, I'm really nervous. You know, I love sharing about my journey and my healing and I love doing talks, but it feels really different just sat here at my desk, me, and my microphone, and my big pregnant belly. So I haven't prepared. I've got a couple of bullet points in front of me, because what I've found is that when I'm most authentic and I'm of highest service is when I just allow 
whatever needs to be said to be said. So I've decided to focus the episode on perfectionism because it's been such a huge challenge and a massive part of my own healing has been recovering from this. And also because I'm launching my first ever online course about perfectionism. So I asked you all a while ago, those of you who signed up to my email list, and I think I asked on Instagram stories as well, that if I was going to do an online course, what would you want it to be on? And to be honest, I thought you were going to say something like self-kindness or freedom from guilt or an online version of my coaching program, which is called Reconnect to You. But the overwhelming response was to do a course on perfectionism. And when I started to reflect on why that was, it made total sense to me. Because if we have any perfectionist tendencies or qualities when we become parents, I think it can be one of the things that can really push us over the edge, to be honest with you. I talk about this all the time, don't I? But modern motherhood is unbelievably hard. We're living in this really unique time where many of us are having to work full time just to cover the high costs of living that we have. We're also living in urban areas, miles away from our families often, sometimes on streets where we don't even know anyone. We've also got this perfect storm of technology and social media that our parents just didn't have to deal with. And at the same time, Parental standards have risen, which is a great thing. I think we know now the profound importance of this job that we're doing, but at the same time, support's fallen away. So I think we're in this perfect storm of how hard it is to be a modern mother. And so when I think about that intersecting with perfectionism and pushing ourselves and being hard on ourselves and not giving ourselves a break, which is often how perfectionism manifests... It made total sense to me that that is the first course that you would want me to release and talk about. So I'm really looking forward to this episode. I'm going to share more than I probably ever have before on my own healing and my own journey because perfectionism is the red thread that runs through all of it. And I'm going to share a little bit about how I've recovered from it and am recovering from it daily. So I think perfectionism is really misunderstood. And when I first started to think, am I a perfectionist? I remember thinking, well, I can't be a perfectionist because I'm so imperfect, which of course is the definition of perfectionism. Perfectionism is about not feeling enough just as you are. It's about wanting this validation from outside of ourselves in order to feel okay on the inside. And that was absolutely absolutely me. You know, I really had in my 20s, early 20s, actually all my life, a really chronic low esteem problem. And low esteem is essentially, as I understand it, as I interpret it in my own healing, is not feeling good enough. And that's what perfectionism is. It's needing to do something perpetually, habitually pushing ourselves in order to feel okay. And that is exactly how it showed up for me. So I thought I'd start by sharing a little bit about what it was like for me when I was living with this horrible drive to be perfect all the time. And then I want to share, which I'm scared about, but I want to share where I think that came from having done 
pretty much 12 years now of therapy (laughs) and healing. So I'll share a bit about that. And then of course I'll share about how I recovered from it. So one of the ways that perfectionism really showed up for me was I just never felt enough. And I remember that feeling from being quite young, probably like four or five, that I had to be someone other than just Zoe in order to be accepted and liked. I got this idea, and I actually don't know where this came from. I got this idea that I wasn't liked, that I wasn't likable. So what that meant was then I would do some really interesting behaviours in order to get what I perceived to be popularity. So I would lie embarrassingly. I would exaggerate. I would distort the truth in other ways. I would try to fit in. So I would lose myself. Like I remember at secondary school, everyone really liked this band and I hated this band, but I just pretended that I loved it too and made my mum buy me the album, I think. And, but I didn't really like it. And that's such a simple but profound example of me abandoning myself to get this external validation. And I did that all the time. I did that into my 20s. I would do that with boyfriends as I got older. You know, I wouldn't really like someone, but if the relationship looked good on the outside, I would stay in it. Same with jobs. I would stay in jobs far too long that didn't suit me because I felt like it looked good on the outside and I would get that validation by saying that I worked at a certain company or did a certain thing and I remember another way that it really showed up for me was not willing to be vulnerable so I didn't really know what being vulnerable and authentic was I knew how to wear a mask I knew how to pretend to be someone else. I was an amazing chameleon. So I could fit into loads of different situations brilliantly. And sometimes friends would say that to me. They'd say, God, we can put you in a room with CEOs or we can put you in a room, uh, a drum and bass party, and you can just get on with everyone. And, you know, at the time I used to remember feeling proud of that. But the truth is that's because I had no idea who I was. And I was really adept at getting people to like me because I didn't like myself, essentially, which is this root of perfectionism. Yeah, not feeling enough. I didn't like myself. So that meant that I then had to get others to like me. And I abandoned myself time and time and time again in loads of massive ways and small ways in order to get that validation. How else did perfectionism show up for me? I haven't got notes, so this is just off the top of my head. Actually, one thing that was huge for me around perfectionism was procrastination. And I know that a lot of you will relate to this. So because I basically didn't feel enough on the inside, I would need things to go pretty well on the outside in order to keep me afloat. How that manifested is I would procrastinate on things. So I would... I remember, God, in my graduate job, I got this quite big promotion when I would have been about 23 or 24. And it was working with loads of senior people at this company that I was at. And I remember I would check every email like 10 times. I'd read it over and over and over again. And I would have to work so late. Like, I mean, I was 24, like I wasn't running the show, but I'd often be there till like 1am pushing myself because of this gripping fear that I had that I would do something wrong because I truly believe that if I did something wrong then I was wrong and I wasn't okay 
And that felt really scary to me. So I was pretty much burnt out in the corporate world by the time I was 23, 24 because of perfectionism. And I remember thinking when I started this job, I want to be the best employee that they've got. Gosh, looking back on that now, I feel so sad for that girl thinking that, that she had to be the best. But that was a big belief system that I used to carry with me was that I had to be the best because I felt so empty on the inside. My esteem was so low. I felt so not enough. I had this drive to try and make things seem perfect on the outside. And the funny thing about all this is sometimes I get messages on Instagram from people who used to know me back then. And they'll often say, we had no idea. And that was a huge thing for me is that my outsides and my insides never matched. So my outsides looked really together often. And that's again, massive perfectionism. (laughs) My outsides looked pretty good. My insides were pretty non-existent, to be honest. I really didn't know who I was. I also had this critic that I lived with that I didn't even know I was living with because it was so ingrained in me. And this critic would constantly tell me that I wasn't enough, that no one liked me, I was doing it wrong, that I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't deserve happiness, that I was a failure and lots of different flavors of those types of things would come up day to day. You know, if I like did something tiny, like would forget something, my critic would love that. You know, I'd forget to pay someone or I'd forget to send a friend a birthday card. My critic would be on me saying, told you you're not good enough. You don't deserve friends. And I just didn't know before I got into my recovery work, I just didn't know that I was living with that critic. And that critic was really driving me to to burnout, really, to working too hard, to people-pleasing, to abandoning myself, to just feeling perpetually not enough. And so, of course, I could never sit with myself. I could never be alone. I remember walking in and I would walk into the flat that I shared with a couple of my really great girlfriends and I would have to put the TV on straight away. I couldn't bear to sit just in silence with myself because all these thoughts would come up. So the idea of meditation was just a joke for me because when I first started, all the thoughts would come up and it was like hell. I'm glad that I pushed through it today because it's one of my biggest tools. But yeah, I just couldn't sit with myself because of this critic that I had. And critic also led me to control, which is sort of the sister of perfectionism as I understand it, as I've experienced it, because I had to control everything in my life in order to feel safe. I could never just go with the flow and see how things went. I would have to plan every second. And I remember my weekends in my early 20s, I'd have to plan what I was doing like every hour because the idea of just letting go and, you know, seeing what happened filled me with such dread. And I would have to control what others thought of me as well. So this is all part of perfectionism. As I now know it, a huge part of perfectionism is trying to control what others think of us. And I tried to control what others thought of me. So I wouldn't speak my truth. Like if I disagreed with someone, I would never speak up, ever. Gosh, I'd just nod along and keep quiet because... 
I didn't want anyone to think that I was obtruse or that I wasn't a kind person. So I'd be saying yes all the time when I wanted to say no, which of course is people-pleasing. But really what people-pleasing is about is trying to manage what others think of us. It's trying to control what others think of us. We're trying to seem a certain way to get that external validation. And that was pretty much how I lived my whole life. So that was how perfectionism showed up for me. Some of the big ways, there are loads more, I'm sure. And I'm sure that I'll reflect back on just doing this episode off the top of my head and wish that I'd have made some notes. (laughs) But those are some of the ways that perfectionism showed up for me. And as many of you know, I then had a breakdown, breakthrough as I like to call it now, cheesy as that is, when I was 24. You know, I come from a wonderful, loving family, but I also come from a family that has been for generations now, I think I've tracked it back, five or six generations, has been in a lot of pain. So in my family on both sides, on my maternal and my paternal sides, there is a lot of depression. There's a lot of serious mental health challenges. There's a lot of suicide. There's a lot of suicide attempts. There's a lot of sadness and a lot of pain and addiction. Addiction's been a big part of our family history, you know, as these people in my past, in my ancestors, have tried to grapple with this pain, you know, and, and that's what addiction is. You'll know if you listen to the Gabor Mate episode, that addiction is simply a, a way to try and handle pain and trauma. And that's come through a lot in my family. But I didn't know any of this growing up, obviously. It wasn't, is it obvious? But in our family, it wasn't talked about. But I was super lucky as I see it now, because at 24, my family pretty much imploded. And I'm not going to share all the details of that out of respect for my family. And it's a boundary that I like to hold doing this work. But safe to say, things were very, very, very tricky for a few years. And Basically then that all my coping tools that I had put in place stopped working, including my perfectionism. I just couldn't carry on. And I remember having this bathroom floor moment where I was on the floor in the bathroom, funnily enough, bathroom floor moment. And uh, I just remember thinking, I cannot live in this pain anymore. I felt so lost and so overwhelmed and so confused about life. And I remember thinking, other people just don't feel this way. What can I do? What can I do? And I remember going to my laptop and I put something into Google. And what came up was about a 12-step fellowship called Al-Anon. And that was my first step into healing and recovery. And I'm so lucky that I found that. And that was 12 years ago. And I've been in 12-step recovery in Al-Anon ever since. And I've learned more about myself than I ever dreamed possible. I've, gosh, healed more than I ever felt possible. And my life is radically, radically, radically different today on the inside because of that fellowship and because of therapy and healing and meditation and kundalini and yoga and inner child work and all the tools that I like to talk about on the podcast and all the tools that I use every single day. So I wondered if it might be helpful for me to share a bit about where this perfectionism came from, because I'm not a therapist and 
this isn't meant to be therapy. But what I found is that as others have shared where some of their challenges have come from, it's really helped me to identify where some of mine have come from. So I wondered if that might be helpful. So the first thing that I learned, and this is, you know, really... I knew this, but I've really been getting into, as you know, if you listen to the podcast, the work of Gabor Mate and looking at how children learn things. And I now know that children learn from what they see. We sometimes think as parents that we can say certain things to our children and that's what they'll learn from and we can be a different way. Well, we know now that's not really how it goes. And I knew that instinctively because my mum was a perfectionist. So one of the ways that she learnt to handle her own pain was to seek that external validation I've been talking about. So everything growing up looked pretty perfect. And neither of my parents had had any therapy as far as I know, as far as they've told me. So they didn't know how to handle their own feelings. You know, feelings I now know are a totally natural part of life. You know, all feelings are on a on a rainbow. We cannot selectively numb. But my parents didn't get taught how to feel their feelings. So they had their own ways of coping with that. But what that meant was that I didn't get taught how to feel mine. So my primary way of learning how to cope with these feelings I was having, like anger, pain, normal, normal, normal feelings, but I just didn't know what to do with them. So I became an achiever, which is a massive part of perfectionism, of course, because achievement is so linked to outside validation. So I just worked really, really hard, as I've described, in order to numb from my feelings. And I, as I got older, I, I did loads of different things to numb from feelings. You know, as I've already said, I'd put the TV on, I would overwork. Sometimes I would overeat. Sometimes I would undereat. Sometimes I would date perpetually just to avoid myself, to have something to focus on that wasn't me. I would shop and I went through this really horrible phase where I would shop and then I'd return it all the next week, simply just as a way to just fill up my life with not having to sit with myself or deal with these feelings. I think one of the other big ways that I became a perfectionist and had this sort of ongoing sense of not being enough was that as a child, I energetically knew that something wasn't right with my parents and with my family, as in... I could sense the pain and I think I could probably sense the generational pain and energetically I sensed that it was part of my job to make my parents happy and that's what can happen with children. I I know that now. Basically children are totally egocentric until the age of seven so if they see someone unhappy or even energetically unhappy what can happen is that they then believe that it's their job to fix it or that it's their fault. And that definitely happened to me. So I remember sort of making a decision, a very unconscious decision, which obviously I've unpicked in therapy, which was that I wasn't going to bring my parents any more pain. I was going to be a good girl. And that's a massive adaptation that lots of us women make actually is to adapt into the good girl. So I became an achiever. I became highly compliant. I was really good. I never gave my parents any problems you know, and I'd get praise for that. And I remember my parents would get praise for that because I looked like the model daughter. And in many ways I was, 
The only problem, of course, was that on the inside, it was a totally different tale. On the inside, I felt really, really, really low and very lost and very lonely. But the outside, I was this sort of highly compliant. Other people in my family went the other way went the rebellious route, which of course is the same side of a different coin. And I think, you know, I don't know if you guys relate to this, but I think parents of the 80s certainly had that equation where achievement meant success. So my parents, again, through no fault of their own, they were just trying their best, you know, and I really, really, really mean this. Like I have zero resentment to my parents. I have so much gratitude to them for what they did do for us. And they loved me deeply. This isn't about lack of love. It's about a lack of awareness and consciousness. You know, parents can only parent from the level of healing and recovery that they've done from their level of awareness. And my parents hadn't done any. So they sort of unconsciously set up this pattern in me that achievement meant success and achievement meant praise. So it's taken me years and years and years actually and still today it's a massive challenge for me not to seek that sense of worth from achievement and Instagram can really tap into that for me but that's a whole other conversation. So, yeah, those are some of the ways that my perfectionism got set up. This feeling of not feeling good enough, just as I was, got set up. I essentially felt like I had to lose the authentic me, lose the real me, and become someone else in order to be fully loved, seen and accepted. So the healing work and the recovery from this has really been about unravelling all of that. And the first place that I started was looking at beliefs, And the course covers all this. The first place that I started was looking at my beliefs. So I wanted to change my experience of life. So I learned through working with some amazing therapists and coaches and in my 12-step recovery, I learned if I wanted to change my experience of life, I had to change what I believed about myself. So I wrote out a list some of the big limiting beliefs, I call them, and coaches call them, that I had about myself. So I'll share some of them because it might be helpful for you. The first one was that feelings aren't to be felt, but to be numbed or distracted from. I really held that belief. I thought that if I felt my feelings, I might die genuinely before I started to feel them. I also had this belief, is not surprising given what I've talked about so far, that I'm only worthy if I'm doing something or achieving something, that I'm not enough as I am. So I found it really hard to rest, to play, to look after myself. This was a big one for me, is that how things look on the outside are more important than how they feel on the inside. And you can see like how, as I've shared, that got set up for me in childhood, that looking good was more important than how you really felt on the inside. And the next one, other people's feelings are more important than my own. Yeah, this makes me feel sad because I really did live like that. I was so codependent and such a people pleaser. I would just say yes when I meant no, because I really felt like it was more important that you were okay than I was okay. And I have had to turn that 360 on its head today because it's more important that I feel okay and other people feel how they feel. I can't trust my instincts was a really big limiting belief for me. I think because I had this instinct growing up that things weren't quite as they should be, and yet that was denied whenever I would ask, and I was told everything was fine and there was nothing to worry about, 
which of course was my parents again, I'll keep saying it, just doing what they thought was best. But what that did was it made me think, ah, so I think something's up, but I'm being told everything's fine. So I must be wrong. My instincts must be wrong. I learned not to trust myself. And yeah, that the world isn't a safe place to be trusted. I really had that belief. I had this belief that if I didn't control everything and control everyone, then nothing would be okay. And that's such a different way than I live today. It's so different because today I really do live in trust and flow. So I rewrote those beliefs and I have them actually stuck up in my bedroom because I want to remember them every single day. So the beliefs that I live from today are that feelings help me navigate the world and it's safe to feel them. I'm worthy just because I'm alive. How things feel for me are more important than how they look to the outside world. The one about feelings I wrote, my feelings are just as important as other people's. And I'm reading these. I'm recording this in my bedroom, so they're stuck up and I'm reading them out to you. (laughs) If you think this sounds a bit polished, I don't need to do anything to get love and acceptance. I'm lovable just for being me. My instincts are there to teach and guide me. I am safe. I can trust life and myself. So what I started to do is when I rewrote those beliefs, I then started to challenge myself. Okay, so if I believed that my instincts are there to teach me and guide me, if I really believe that, how would I behave differently today? And that's where my daily journaling practice came in. I would ask myself, okay, if I believe that I was enough, truly enough, just as I am, what would I do differently today? And over time, asking myself that question, what would I do differently if I really believed this? That enabled me to quit corporate life that I hated. It enabled me to stop dating losers and people who didn't like me, to be honest, and I didn't really like, and meet my husband, Guy, who is amazing. It enabled me to have a child, which I was petrified about, as I shared about before. You know, I thought, am I healed enough? Well, I thought if that belief is true now, you know, that I, I can trust myself, then I knew what to do. I knew that I did want a child. So all these things have really unfolded from me working out and unraveling, unlearning all these things that I thought were true about me and acting from a place of truth. Because all those things that I just read out, they are true. They're true about me and they're true about you. I am worthy just because I'm alive and you are worthy just because you're alive. But if you believed that, if you really believed that as the truth, what would you do differently? It's such a powerful question, isn't it? Would you stay in your marriage? Would you stay in your job? Would you stay living where you're living? Would you say yes to that party on Saturday that you actually really don't want to go to? Would you finally maybe change some of those toxic friendships that you invest in but don't give you anything? Would you give yourself a break? Would you stop feeling so guilty all the time? You know, how would you change? What would you do? And this is where the challenge often is, is in that behavior change. So what does it look like? And this is why it has to be daily for me and why my recovery from perfectionism is a daily thing. Because in order for me to feel like I'm acting from this place of feeling worthy, no matter what I do, I have to be pretty vigilant on it every single day. I also do loads of self-kindness practices because perfectionism, living with it, if you've lived with perfectionism or any of the qualities that I've talked about, you'll know what it feels like. It feels like having someone on your back basically kicking you to do more and do more and work harder and 
cover your vulnerability and yeah, just do more and more and more. So self-kindness is the antidote to that. And so I work really hard on this relationship that I have with myself and, you know, that critic that I was talking about, really reframing that and thinking, what would I say to a good friend that I loved? What would I say? I'd say, have a rest. I'd say, you're doing an amazing job. I'd say, you're a great mum. You have nothing to feel guilty about. So I try and every day embody this kinder voice in between my ears. And it's taken a while, to be honest with you, for that to become more habitual. But it is today. I notice that critic and I'm able to reframe it quite quickly. And daily journaling is such a big part of that because it enables me to see that critic. If I write it down, what my head might be saying to me and I can spot it, say, ah, that's my critic. So yeah, my recovery from perfectionism has been pretty profound. It's a daily thing for me. I can still do it, but I have to say to you, I really like myself today and I actually love myself today. And that feels quite awkward to say that for some reason I guess because society doesn't really teach us that society teaches us at every turn that we need to be something else doesn't it we need something else we need a bigger house or a bigger car or that new makeup or that new top or that new bag whereas the truth of it is is that we don't need any of that stuff to love ourselves and to be happy with ourselves and I do feel like that today I do feel like that most days I really like who I am and how I show up. And it's really enabled me to live a life of loads more peace compared to how I was living. So I can say no really easily now. My boundaries are really strong. I'm able to give myself loads of rest. I'm able to not feel guilty about much, which is pretty fantastic because I know guilt can be such a challenge. Gosh, you know, some of my clients are just bound up in the guilt and I don't experience that so much today because of this daily practice that I have of just knowing that I'm enough and keeping vigilant to what goes on between my ears is the biggest thing it still shows up for me one of the areas that perfectionism still really shows up for me is in making things harder for myself I don't know if anyone relates to this so if something comes quite easily I can feel quite wary of it an example tiny example but I'm booking an entertainer for Jesse's fourth birthday party first one I called up had availability price was right now what I could have done I was about to say should but I won't should over myself what I could have done was just book that and it'd be done I was like, "Mm," I found something not to like about it. I was like, "Mm, sounds like I'm not going to like the way that they're going to do that tiny thing. And went off on this search to find some other entertainers, which took me time. It took me effort. And really that was me and my perfectionism because I was looking for something perfect that didn't exist. So I realized what I was doing pretty quickly and booked the first one. But that can still show up for me today, that need for making things harder and more complicated than they need to be, you know, not trusting just it is as it is, you know. I don't really know what I'm trying to say now, but that's one way that I've noticed just this week that it's really showed up for me. And I've used the tools, the tools that are in the course, you know, looking at my beliefs, just journaling about that and noticing what's happened, staying in awareness, you know, not spinning off into a panic about it, about not having this perfect entertainer and just knowing that it doesn't have to be perfect. Perfect does not exist. There is no such thing as perfect. 
And what perfectionists, we can sometimes do as perfectionists is think that there's this like ideal standard or this way or this thing, or maybe this entertainer (laughs) that's perfect. And then it's our job to seek that and find that and make that happen, whatever that might look like. And of course it doesn't exist. There is no such thing as perfection. And as Brené Brown says, you know, trying to strive for it is basically a shortcut to burnout. It's a shortcut to not living a life of ease, of joy and happiness because we are constantly pushing ourselves to this standard that does not exist and then feeling guilty when it doesn't happen. So if you're living with perfectionism, I hear you and I see you because that was me. But I also want you to know that there's loads of hope. And this is what I've put into this course that I've written. So I've poured all my 12 years of healing and therapy and recovery and all the work that I've done, including all the trainings that I've done. I've poured all of that work into this course. I wanted to make it super accessible because I know how busy we all are. I wanted to make it so that it wasn't overwhelming. So it's just 20 days. It's suggested you do like 10 minutes a day for 20 days because that's how I found change is most effective is like that drip, drip, drip effect. But if you wanted to do the course all in one go, then it's three and a half hours. So if you happen to have a child-free afternoon or evening, you could just sit down and do it all. So the course is on Thinkific, which I chose because I've done a couple of courses on there. It's an online program basically and I really enjoyed it and I found it was really intuitive to use so I've used that but also if you hate sitting at a screen I know loads of you work during the day or you're sitting in front of screens and you might think god I just don't want to do this part of my life in front of a screen too I've also made it into a workbook so you could just print that and work through it in pen and paper so those are the two options and in it is a mix of tools so It talks about what perfectionism is, you know, almost as I have in this episode, but in more detail and gets you to reflect on your own journey. You know, I've shared mine, but it gets you to work out your own journey and how you're going to heal and gives you the tools to do that. So in each section is self-discovery journaling points where you'll have loads of aha moments, hopefully, about the way that perfectionism shows up for you maybe where it came from. If you feel like looking into that depth, you know, I invite you to do that. You don't have to. And then loads of tools for how to change it. So daily journaling as well, which as I've said, is like one of my absolute go-to tools for creating change and loads of action sections. So that question that I asked of myself, I ask of myself most days is what would I do differently if I believed this new belief to be true? There's loads of behavior change stuff around that, inviting you to think about what would you do differently if you believed that you were enough just as you are? If you believed that you didn't have to show up perfectly, if you believed that you could just be you and still be loved and liked, what would you do differently? So there's loads of sections in the course and different ways in to get you to change your behavior. Because of course, changing our behavior is how we change our reality. And, you know, I know for me, recovering from this stuff has just given me such an ease and a peace. And that's what I want for you. You know, this course is not a fix all. Clearly, you know, you're not going to do a 20 day course and be fixed forever, but it will kickstart, hopefully, your recovery from this stuff. And it also includes 
loads of tools and wisdom from some of the top guests that I've had. And I know that a lot of you have listened to the episodes of Gabor and Shafali and Dr. Kristen Neff. So I've infused loads of their wisdom particularly Kristen Neff. I've put quite a bit of her work into the course because I found it so powerful and as have my clients. So the website includes a full breakdown of the course. If you want to have a look on there, motherkind.co. And I'm also in the process of setting up a one-for-one program. So for every course that I sell, it's going to be £60, but I'm about to give you a discount code. So for every course that I sell, I want to give one away to a mum who could never afford it. So £60 for some of us, you know, it's a lot of money for anyone, but for some of us, you know, we can afford £60. It might mean not going out for lunch that month, or it might mean not buying ourselves that jumper that we've had our eye on. But for some people, I'm so aware £60 disposable to spend on something like this is just not reality. So I am setting up a system where I give one away to someone who could never afford it. So when you buy one, you're essentially buying one for you and you're buying one for a mum who could never afford to do this sort of thing. And I feel really quite emotional about that. that, And I think it's really important that for those of us who can invest in ourselves in this way, we help those who can't. So yeah, the course is going to be £60, but because you are a loyal listener of mine, and I know a lot of you have been supporting Motherkind and me and the podcast right from the early days, I want to give you 10% off, which makes it £54. So if you go onto my website, motherkind.co, click on to buy the course and then pop Motherkind10 into the box where it asks you for a code, it will give you that it will give you that £10 off. 10% off, sorry, not £10. <laughs> Maybe I could do £10, 10%, which makes it £54. So it's with anticipation that I release this course. I really hope that it fulfills my intention, which is that I help you find more joy and freedom in your life away from this, you know, noose around our neck of perfectionism. You know, modern motherhood is hard enough. We do not need to be beating ourselves up all the time as well. So my hope and my intention is that by taking this course, you find some freedom. My hope and my intention is that you find some more peace between your ears and that you're able to just find a lightness and an ease with yourself that maybe you haven't found before. So I can't wait to hear how you get on with it. You know me, I'm an open book. Like, please let me know. You can contact me on Instagram. There's a support email, but I will be checking that. So supportmotherkind.co will be checked by me and someone that works in my team, because as you know, I'm going off to have a baby. But someone will always get back to you within 24 hours. So yeah, and I guess I have to ask myself, do you think I have to ask myself my final question? I probably do, don't I? Well, I won't actually ask it to myself because that's a bit weird, but the gift that I would give all mums in the world sat here right now is the gift of knowing that you are enough just as you are. You do not need to be or do or push yourself or be any other way than just you in order to be an incredible mother, an incredible woman in this world, and to feel peace and to love yourself. That's really, really what I would wish for every mother, is that we can love ourselves enough to let ourselves off the hook. You know, we push ourselves, we're so hard on ourselves. So that's my wish, and I really wish and hope that this course that I've written even gives you a clink of that feeling 
might even just open that window a little bit to that feeling of liking, loving yourself and knowing that you're enough just as you are. So that's it. Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you did, please do leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. If you were listening to that episode, thinking about one of your friends that they might benefit from what we were chatting about, then just tag them in on Instagram. My bio will include the link to the podcast so they can find it really easily from there. People often tell me they're desperate to share it with their friends. So if that's you, then please do. I feel like the guests that we have on the podcast, their wisdom just deserves to be heard far and wide. So help me make that happen. I'd be very grateful. And also, if you want to send me any comments or thoughts about the episode, then please pop over onto Instagram at motherkind underscore Zoe. And also just to let you know about my coaching. So I do work one-on-one with mums on my program, which is a three-month program called Reconnect to You. So if you want to work with me on taking your power back in any area of your life, then please do get in touch. Just drop me an email, zoe at motherkind.co or look on the website, www.motherkind.co. That's it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care.